And so with that mentality, I've never tried to impress other people, you know, and especially not in material things because it's fleeting. It doesn't last. You can't take it to the grave and you can't leave it as a legacy. No one's going to remember you by the clothes you wore. And if they do, to me, it's just a little shallow. But if you have a home you leave for your children, you're able to allow your children to have a great education. Um, you know, you have a stress-free life because you, your husband and your wife or your family, you're not arguing over finances all the time because they're taken care of. It's a better quality of life. On today's episode, I have a great saver. She's not a financial advisor, but it doesn't take being a financial advisor to be a great saver. Uh, She's a nurse, has a real estate business, and she is just really good at saving money. And so I want to give you a perspective from a non-professional, just an everyday person doing their deal. She's going to talk about how she did it uh, as a single mother as well. Uh, and how she was able to save money and uh, work towards her goal of financial independence, despite uh, tons and tons of challenges and setbacks along the way. So thanks. Thanks for being on, Yolanda. When when did you get real serious about money and good savings habits and all that stuff? I got real serious about money when I graduated from college. Um, I realized that after paying bills, you know, and I was young, spending money, um, I needed a plan to make sure that I didn't have to work this hard for the rest of my life. Uh, So I got real serious. Actually, my first year out of college, I met someone who taught me about setting up a budget. And so I actually started saving then. Hmm. Okay, straight out of college. So it wasn't something that you were taught at, at, at home or anything, you just ran? Well, the other motivating factor was um, at home, um, and one thing that pushed me toward my career, I'm a, a nurse uh, by profession, was that my dad worked for General Motors. And um, a month before I went to college, his plant shut down. And so I experienced all through high school, my dad being laid off on and off and us having financial struggles due to him being laid off. So that put me in the mode of I've got to get into a profession where I can work consistently because I saw the struggles of us, you know, keeping our home, depending on my stepmother's income to make things work. And then me going to work at 16, you know, to take care of me as far as putting money in my pocket, buying clothes, you know, to help offset some of the, um, struggles we were having financially. And then the other big lesson I learned, I was very close to my grandmother and um, I graduated from Ohio State, but I moved to Texas to be close to my grandmother. And when my grandmother retired, 
you know, we always knew my grandmother to have perfect credit. My grandmother had American Express card and all, you know, back then Montgomery Ward and every credit card you can imagine. And she was never lacking and her credit was perfect. But I learned when she retired, she retired and only had a sixth grade education and her income was $6 and 40 something cents an hour. So you can imagine how small her retirement check was. And we were able to help her, but I knew, okay, I've got to make sure that I don't end up in the situation my grandmother ended up in retirement. Um, and so those two factors really motivated me to take hold of my future and uh, put myself on a path to financial independence. Got it. No, that, that, uh, that's, that's powerful. Similar, similar story to kind of what motiv motiv motivated me. Uh, around college, so I knew it, I knew it, I knew it might have been something before that made you, you know, open to um, open to that lesson if it if it wasn't taught at home. So 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 somebody showed you, and then you just did it. What what were some of the challenges early on to consistently saving money and being responsible and not overspending and indulging all your wants? Well, you know what? Let me give credit to my stepmother. Let me back up. So even at home. My stepmother was a social worker, and I do remember her salary might have been 30000 sometimes, you know, in those years. She held on to our home during that time, and mm. she was a saver. So she taught me about saving uh, at home, so I did see it. Uh, we never sat down and did budgeting, but I saw her keep everything afloat when my dad wasn't working on, a, you know, a small income with three children. So oh, wow. I did learn that from her. Uh, but like you said, when I got to out after leaving college, I had a, a young lady who she was a professional nurse too. sit me down and, you know, say, Hey, write all your bills down, write what your paycheck is going to be. Give yourself an allowance and everything after that, put it in the bank. And I'm like, huh? She said, put it in the bank. That is your savings. And um, just to put some numbers to it, you know, all my bills back then were $900. My check might have been $1,200. So, you know, I had $300, uh, and that was including my allowance. I had $300 to save every pay period. And then I started picking up an extra job on the side. So I was taking those checks and not even cashing them, just depositing them. Hmm. Got it. Got it. No, that's, that's good. And so, yeah. And, and what I also realized through that, I started learning about spending habits. You know, I would go out, <clears throat> say I went friends and I was at the ATM spending $40 here, withdrawing $50 there. And that money was adding up. And I realized how much money I was wasting when I started seeing my savings grow. So it motivated me to see myself get up into the thousands because I was an independent student through college. I struggled. I mean, I struggled sometimes just for food. So just seeing that I could work and save thousands of dollars um, was exciting for me. But, but what, you know, what, what about, you know, looking at your friends, getting, you know, buying the nice cars and the nice houses and, you know, I guess today they got Yeezy, but back then, I don't know what, you know, what. what. Yeah, that was something, because I had a friend 
who actually told me I bought a Mazda protege. You know, I'm a nurse, so I could afford more. She had a Camry and she's like, I don't like your car. Why are you buying that? (laughs) But I was budget. You know, I had another friend that had a two-door Honda. I don't remember what kind they were. The roof top was removable. You know, I had a friend with a Lexus and I had the little protege. (laughs) But I had a goal. Um, And so they, they would mock my car. But I've always been that type that I don't care what people say. You know, I'm going to do me and do what works for me. And that protege and that payment that I was making was working for me at that time. No, makes complete sense. Did you, at the time, did you realize that they probably were not saving uh, and that you were saving? Or, you know, did you think about, because some people think, man what am I doing wrong that they're able to do this and do all this travel and and I'm over here you know struggling did it ever cross your mind maybe they weren't saving or did you just not even think about I knew they weren't I knew they weren't and um just fast forwarding with my children uh, because things changed I got married priorities changed you know that savings went away I started all over but with my children they would come home complaining because they wanted Jordans or, you know, a certain shoe or certain type of designer clothing. And I would say no. And they would have this debate with me, like, mom, you can buy it. Why won't you buy that for it? And I'd always say, do your friends own three or four homes? Do they even own the home they live in? Go find that out and then come back to me. And if they own the home they live in and three or four others, then maybe we'll discuss going to buy you that. But if they don't realize the reason I don't buy you those things is because we do own four homes and we do own the one that we live in. And that's why we're not wasting our money on those clothes that aren't going to make us money. This is for your future. Now, there, now there's a principle around that, right? There's a principle around uh, owning assets versus owning stuff. Um, mm-hmm. What, elaborate for the folks that, that may not, you know, have read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, or Richest Man of Avalon. Um, Be know, honest, uh, I've never, I've never read it. Oh, really? <laughs> I have yeah. to confess. No, so so my, my, my principle, this is Yolanda's principle, is that I look at everything as an investment. You know, even what I put into my children, I tell them, if you're not bringing the grades, then you can't go that four-year university because I'm not going to invest my money into you that and you're not bringing me that return back. Same thing, clothing. Clothing, you end up either tearing it up, giving it away, throwing it away, or it's hanging in your closet, accumulating dust. But a real estate property or some stocks or whatever you decide to invest in can bring you back a return. I like making money when I sleep. Because I can only work so much. Your body can only do so much in a day. So for me, I've always thought, how can I make money without the use of my hands or my time? And I think that is the principle in those books, you know, making money without, uh, without utilizing your own time and your own physicality. So that's the principle that I use when I'm looking at how to spend and how to invest my money. A car is eventually going to die. You know, it's not an asset. You know, I've got to spend money on that car. It's not going to make me money. So those are the principles that I think about when I decide where and how to spend my money. 
But and I'm not you? one, to be honest. The other part, too, I don't want to impress anybody. It's not impressive to me to have an expensive, you know, women, an expensive bag. And I used to buy nice bags, but I can't even tell you the last time I bought one um, because I looked at the money that you could spend on that, three or $500. How many shares of stock can I buy with that? Mm. What, what about the people that say, you know, and I don't know if you're able to say this, but, you know, Yolanda, what about having fun? Like, you only live once. You know, won't you just have some fun? <laughs> I do have fun. So I've learned to find joy in the simple things. You know, um, we do take vacations. You know, we we have passports. Actually, right now I'm planning a vacation for um, my family, including my children. We're going on an international vacation for five days this summer. So we have fun, you know, and it brings me more joy and fun to know that I'm living in a home that, you know, can be paid off soon, you know, that my bills are paid, no bill collectors are calling me. That's joy all day long for me. <laughs> so, you know, when I, people hear, oh, you only live once or, you know, that's what I want. I look at if I retire early, which I will retire early, my children can choose to go to the schools of their choices. That's all fun and joy for us. No, makes sense. And I think you hit it on the nail in the beginning. You can, you can narrow almost all money problems down to who are you trying to impress, right? I mean, that's, mm-hmm. when you said that, that was, that's the issue. You know, people talk about financial literacy. I'm like, no, nah, financial literacy is overrated. We got to get to the psychology of who are you trying to impress. Once we can get yeah. that fixed, the rest becomes easy. You know? Right. And that's my thing. I don't know if it's because I'm my only, well, I, I'm my mom's only. I have two sisters. Uh, but as for 12 years, I was the only child. I've never been in competition with anyone. You know, I'm the oldest. And so with that mentality, I've never tried to impress other people, you know, and especially not in material things because it's fleeting. It doesn't last. You can't take it to the grave and you can't leave it as a legacy. No one's going to remember you by the clothes you wore. And if they do, to me, it's just a little shallow. But if you have a home you leave for your children, you're able to allow your children to have a great education. Um, you know, you have a stress-free life because you, your husband and your wife or your family, you're not arguing over finances all the time because they're taken care of. It's a better quality of life. And that's, that's what I enjoy, a better quality of life. Right. No, yeah, yeah. The, and before we go into something else you did, I think it's super awesome. So I'm, I want to ask one more question. I know a lot of folks are probably mm-hmm. thinking. So, so when you got into investing in stocks, mutual funds, real estate, and or, you know, whatever you invested in, how did you overcome the fear, right? So, you, so at some point you had to go from saving cash in the bank to investing in other assets where you could potentially like lose your money how'd you how'd you mentally go through that transition i'm a believer i'm a believer and um you know through prayer i felt that i was i was directed into real estate and so there was no fear for me because it was like okay it was a level of obedience okay lord this is where i what i'm supposed to do this is my path you know my footsteps are being ordered toward real estate 
And so the fear, I had more fear of being broke (laughs) and retiring (laughs) with a too little uh, social security check than I did with going out and using my money and, 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 you know, improving my knowledge and skills and changing my future. So that's what it was for me, like, especially after I had children. And that's really what put me in the momentum and getting into real estate. It was like, I've got children, I've got, you know, people I'm responsible for. So I've got to do something different. No, makes complete sense. And so so I didn't have anybody to call to pay a bill or, (laughs) you know, to take care of me. So it's like, okay, Yolanda, you got to do, you know, you got to do something different so that you'll always be able to take care of yourself and your children. Uh, yeah, I like it. So, so you, you also did something I think a lot of, you know, a lot of people, you know, ought to consider is you, you got a, you got a side hustle. Talk, talk about mm-hmm. how you got into selling real estate. What, what made you decide to go ahead and get your real estate license? Okay. I've been a realtor for 12 years now. <clears throat> and what, got in I got into it I had a bad experience with a realtor and you know here I am trying to get into real estate investing buy property and I thought I don't want to go to the table again and not understand real estate contracts and not understand mortgage loans so that I don't go into a bad deal that I can't recover from you know being upside down on a car is one thing but imagine being upside down on a house (laughs) you know that's not something easily wrote off and so I got my license and through my license, I'm one, the, you know, I love coaching and mentoring. and I would share that information and I began to refer people to other realtors. And then I said, Hey, I could be making those commissions let me make my license active. And so, and also I wanted to, um, you know, I like to give back. I'm really interested in uh, investing in my community and my people. So I began to want to share and help people who didn't think they could become homeowners. You know, I my first person I sold a house to was at work and saw him in the hallway and say, hey, you own a home? No, well, let me tell you how you can. And this person now owns two homes. Mm. And so I had a goal to share and help build my community and because I, I wanna see more of my community have homes that they can afford and um, be able to hand down, you know, throughout generations. Yeah, no, that's uh, that is that is important. That's that's and 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 that's and, and the most impressive part about you know what you do because I know you know being a um, mom and working and uh, especially being a nurse, you know, to have the fortitude to go out and also do real estate. I mean, that takes a lot of focus, um, vision. And it was hard. <laughs> I, you know what. You know, a few years ago, when when the um, government they were offering a return, remember, if you bought a house, you would get a special tax return. Mm-hmm. So, a um, tax cut, or I can't remember the term for it. But anyway, I was so busy, I was selling houses like crazy, and mm. so I would get off my normal job. You know, unfortunately, I had divorced. So all of this too, Philip, we didn't even get into that. I did this single divorced with two small kids. So the hustle was real. 
I was like, I really got to make it happen because I'm, you know, I found my, I bought my first property um, the month that my ex-husband and I separated. And so I began that journey on my own. And um, it was difficult, you know, because I would leave my job and go into real estate. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm serious about my ethics, so I wouldn't work real estate on my day job. And I would tell my clients, if you're able to work with me in the evening and the weekends, I'm more than happy to service you. You know, if I can't meet your needs with that, let me refer you. And most clients it works out with because most people only available evenings and weekends anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so we were able to do business, you know, and I had some flexibility to take a day off if I really needed to, to help, you know, meet someone at a property or something. Um, but I always kept that work separated. But what that meant was I had long days, but the long days paid off because I was able to eventually acquire four properties on my own. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I'm, 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 I'm even more glad that I got you on here because I, I meet a lot of, you know, and everybody has a hard life, right? I mean, life, mm -hmm. is, life is hard for everybody. And, you know, it's harder for some people, you know, than, than others, but, but hard is hard. How'd you, how'd you yeah. overcome, how'd you overcome? Cause some, you know, I know that some people take the hardness and say, cool, I'll step up to the challenge and I'll become stronger because, because, you know, mm -hmm. some people will say life is just too hard. I'm just going to give up. Did, did you ever, did those thoughts ever cross your mind and how'd you end up overcoming it? You know, the thought, I became overwhelmed at times uh, because here I was, I was a mother, single mother. Um, I was a realtor. I was, I became a nurse manager. So I, I was getting promoted in, as a nurse too. I wasn't just bedside nurse. I was a manager. I managed like 60 people. So I had 24 hour accountability for that. And I was a landlord. <laughs> 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 but I would become so overwhelmed. One person, uh, a lady that I helped in one of my properties got sick, was behind four months on her rent, didn't want to pull her out because she was sick. And I remember when she finally got out of my property, I went in and she had trashed my property. I'm thinking about it now and it brings tears to my eyes. And I was so I think it hit me and just put me like in a state of almost depression. I didn't walk back in that house for three months to even start getting it cleaned up because I didn't know how. I didn't know what to do. I was so overwhelmed. But what you say, what helped me overcome that? I knew I had to get it done. The other alternative was to lose the home. <laughs> you know, either you're going to sit back and let the house stay over there trash or you're going to clean it up and, you know, put it back on the market. And I'm glad I did it because later on, I ended up making $40,000 on that sale. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, the what kept me going is I can't quit. I've got too much invested in this and I, I'm a goal getter. I've got to meet my goals. So that's what kept me motivated. And then too, just being that mom wanting the best for my boys, that kept me going. I, I can't give up. I'm I'm not gonna fail and not wanting to fail. That's that's what kept me going. No, that's powerful, right? And 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 I and I think a lot of folks, a lot of folks don't don't fully understand what it takes to like 
aggressively go towards your goals of financial independence and financial security. They think a lot of folks think that it's a, it's a mental thing, right? They think if I'm smart enough, right? If I'm smart enough or if I read enough, I can do it. And I'm like, nah, it's like battle. Like I have not met any person who is well to do that don't have tons and tons of battle scars. And right now I'm, I'm fighting through mine. You know, I'm looking at everything I'm doing and the two steps forward and, you know, or three steps forward and two steps back and just fighting. But I've seen it play out and I know that I'm only mm-hmm. 34 and everything that I'm doing is similar to what, 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 what Charles have done. And so, um, All right. you know, it's, it's just, I, I've not met anybody who's had an easy path to wealth that, you know, where it wasn't given to them, you know. If, um, if I could, if I had to sue the people that I had to put out of my properties, I'd probably be, 25,000 up, <laughs> you know, so I had some, I had some losses that, you know, now looking back, I should have done it a little better, cut my losses a lot quicker, but, you know, I was being a little too kind, but there's, like you say, it's a, it's a battle. And I always remind uh, my people that I coach or mentor, um, cause I do um, lifestyle coaching and I call it you know, whole life, the financial, um, the mental, um, and the, uh, you know, spiritual side of it is that anything worth having, you've got to work for it. You know, you, you've got to put the work in. And, you know, some people say grind, however you want to put it, but you're going to have some late nights. You're going to have some, no, I can't do that. Or, you know, or turn down some opportunities that people are going to say, well, you can come. You Like you say, you only live once. You know, why don't you take this trip? No, I can't take this trip because I need that $1,000 to put some new carpet in my property. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because while you out there taking that trip 10 years from now and you're still pushing that clock, I want to be at home. And, <laughs> you know, building my real estate business as a full-time realtor or whatever I choose to do. I want to take back, and that's been my whole goal. I want to own my time. And to me, going into my job every day, I don't own my time. They have the biggest chunk of my day. I want that back. And the only way for me to get that back is through financial independence. I like that. And retire early. I want to own my time. I'm writing that down. Yeah. Um, before we go to the last five questions, I ask everybody. Uh, you have one more question about the real estate market. So, so um, what, what are your thoughts about DFW real estate? 20, April 2019. Are, are there still some deals out there? Can regular folks still buy homes? There are still some deals out there. You know, my husband and I, I'm remarried. We're talking about that, and we're talking about getting on the pavement. You know, meeting people <laughs> because some people. Uh, their opportunities, but they don't know who to trust, you know, so finding, it's kind of like now you got to find that needle in the haystack, you know, to really come up on top and, um, or be on top of that market to find that deal as soon as it hits. But this, this market, um, it's hot right now. It's good for the sellers. So I've reaped some rewards from those properties that I bought 10 and 11 years ago. Uh, But we're even looking at, you know, going a little further outside of DFW. And as an investor, that's really what you want to do. As an investor, you can't buy at this market right now and expect, you know, great returns in the next few years. 
you've got to look at the the market emerging market that's what the the true investors do they're looking around and say okay where where do i need to move to well it's it's funny because as a, as an investor you know what i do basically is asset allocation right so i'm looking at all the asset classes i mean everything real estate stocks reits mm-hmm. bonds and i'm thinking i'm like hey i need to allocate my money towards like more towards what's cheap less towards mm-hmm. what's expensive and allocated around and so one of the things that i've been actually i got a podcast coming out about it tomorrow or the or the next day was when i'm going to release it but i was talking about and you let me know what you think about this you know there's so many people sitting on so much equity in their primary residence i'm like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like hey you can speed up you know your whole financial plan by selling that home um using the equity to uh, pay off some debt, get into real estate. You free up also the amount of money that a, that a bank will um, let you borrow. And now you can become mm-hmm. a real estate investor because, um, um, hey, you got some cash too. And then just and then just rent like wherever you, you know, you can rent close to downtown. A lot of folks want to mm-hmm. downtown Dallas to Fort Worth, right? And what you were paying in mortgage, you can find something really, really nice but you use your credit line to buy, like you just mentioned, properties that maybe not where you want to live because it's too far out. Um, mm-hmm. You get the appreciation and the rental income. And right. me being a financial planner, I've worked out the math. I'm like, man, that math will work for a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. um, I mean, what, what are your thoughts about that? Well, as you know, we're doing something similar. <laughs> we're, taking our money and running, you know, we're planning to sell our house and uh, we've sold um, some of our investment properties so that we can leverage that to further invest. So we are going after those deals like we found 10 years ago, which is going to take us a little outside of DFW, but we're comfortable with that because we want those same returns 10 years from now that we're experiencing now. And we realize, you know, from my expertise that we're not going to get it in this market, um, you know, Dallas proper right now. Long-term investing, long-term mm-hmm. investing. I like it. Exactly. So, so if, if you can go back and talk to 22-year-old Yolanda, what would you tell her? Oh, wow. I would tell 22-year-old Yolanda to, you know, at 25, when I had $8,000 in the bank, to just grow on that. And when I only had $1,000 of debt and I was trying to think about how to pay that off, you know, to stay debt free. That's what I would tell 22 year old Yolanda, stay debt free and keep growing your savings and invest. Okay. And next question is what, what are the top three businesses that you actually uh, like to spend money with it doesn't have to be splurging but you're like hey philip i, I gotta spend some money somewhere but i just really like doing business with these companies what, what are those companies? you want them companies by name or types of companies yeah by, by name oh wow and okay so you caught me because you know this is my year of no spending <laughs> 2019 um when i tell you that i'm telling you the truth so that's how serious we are about this financial independence. I've deemed the year 2019 no spending except for our vacation. Uh, so right now I'm spending money with the airlines. <laughs> uh, but seriously, I'm not spending any money on clothing. 
um, personal items. I'm utilizing what I have at home. Well, let me let, so, let me let, let me dig deeper because I I use this way to get some stock ideas. What what kind of phone? Um, what kind of phone do y'all have? Okay, well, Apple. Okay, so Apple. Can I share something about the phone thing? Please. Man, I just learned this two weeks ago, and I cut my phone bill fifty percent, Philip. How'd you do that? I learned. Huh? Let me tell you. And we all have apples. You know, sevens, nines, um, and there are four phones. I was paying about $320 a month. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that, that was hard for me. So, you know, reading and in financial communities online, I started seeing people talk about the prepaid. So I thought, let me find out a little bit more. But if you call AT&T, they're not going to tell you about prepaid. You have to call AT&T or whomever prepaid. So I called them and what I found out was I was postpaying my bill. And because they were giving me the liberty to postpay, meaning I pay if I pay my bill in April, I'm really paying for my March usage, that I was paying more. And that if I simply go to prepay where in April I pay for my service in April that I would actually save. So that $320 bill is now $140. The only difference is all of our phones are paid for, and therefore if something happens to our phone, I'm gonna have to buy a phone, but because I saved my money and I budget for a phone, I'm now putting away, you know, like, certain amount of dollars a month so that if one of these phones die or whatever, I'm just going to get online and buy a cash phone for three or $400. Nice. So, so I, I need to call Verizon and see if I can do that with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> check out Verizon. I think they have prepaid also, but it's, you know, the trick is if you got a phone, you're paying payments, you're going to pay that off and just understand when you need a phone, you got to buy a phone. But what it is, it's all that trickery of getting us in monthly payments and, you know, them giving us credit and allowing us to, um, allowing us to, they're giving us the privilege of that credit and we're paying for it and we don't realize how much we're paying for it. Mm, that's crazy. Isn't that crazy? So in two months, I've actually saved enough to buy a phone if I needed to just by moving the prepaid. And my service didn't change. Unlimited data, unlimited text, unlimited calls. Nothing changed. That is completely nuts. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking it up like tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> Look it up. Because I'm that i'm excited about that statement so that's 140 dollars i got to save i mean 170 yeah okay 100 no that's actually 180 dollars i'm saving a month now on my family's phone bill four phones so so is it is it pretty safe to say in the year 2019 you're not really loyal to any company or brand it's all about money like if i could if, if i could save money forget amazon forget Netflix, forget, you know, whatever. Um, you know, everybody, I'm everybody on watch. 
everybody's on watch. The only brand I'm loyal to is the name of our farm, So Green, <laughs> and the name of my, my hashtag, Yo Fit for Life. That's what I'm loyal to right now. Now, I do, um, we did cut off another instance of saving money. My cable went out for a whole week, and then I realized I could do away with it. I didn't miss it. So I have a fire stick now. <clears throat> that saved me. Uh, I still have my, um, you know, we got to have Wi-Fi. But right. I called them, told them how I wasn't pleased with what I was paying. Right now, I have a fire stick, and I have um, my Wi-Fi, and I have basic. They beg me to keep basic, but my bill is like $50 a month. Yeah. Yeah, we, we went to that direct TV now, and that helped a ton. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the brand that I'm loyal to is Fire Financial Independence Retire Early. <laughs> I like it. I like it. What about um, where do you get your news? And this can be like just, is it magazines, newspapers, TV, um, newsletters online, social media? I get my news one social media. Um, I'm also now learning how to access magazines through the library. So I've learned um, one thing I want to do is read a little bit more money, Kiplinger. And so I'm learning how to get that um, through my phone. I'm listening to a lot of podcasts now too. Um, so I get quite a bit of information through that. And I do um, have some alerts where like Dallas Morning News, I get um, through my email. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, <coughs> well, whenever you do get downtime, uh, what do you like to watch? Like specific shows or movies that you just, you know, when you do get time to relax, which I think is probably never, but when you do. No, I, I do. I, I relax. You got to have a balanced life. So, okay. you know, you have to rest. So when I'm down, I have my downtime. Um, because we are building a farm, I find myself, I'm watching a lot of YouTube <laughs> on uh, farm businesses, on um, off-the-grid lifestyle. Um, and then when I don't want to think, I'm watching Bravo TV for entertainment. <laughs> Real Housewives. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I like the little reality shows. My husband doesn't understand why I look at them, but I tell him when I just want to be entertained, it's entertainment. Yeah, we all, we all, we all have our like checkout, checkout stuff, you know, so nah. Yeah, I, that's I, my checkout stuff. Reality TV, my 600 pound life, you know, I, things like that. I'm just amazed at looking at people with these different lifestyles. Yeah, I think my wife watches that show. Uh, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll every once every 10 shows you know once every 10 times I see her watching it I'll sit down for one and I'll just try to understand why she watches it kind of like your husband and just go you know what I'm uh I'm not watching this again <laughs> and <I'll leave>. but, <laughs> most days I don't even turn on the tv yeah yeah, yeah. No. most days the tv is off mm-hmm Okay, so you so you'll have a good one for this last one. Then, last question is: What are the top three books that you've read, either recently or of all times? Wow, I heard you say something on a podcast recently that your memory was horrible, and I was going to tell you, don't say that. 
there's life and death in your tongue. But my memory, too, is not that good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So when I think of favorite books of all times, I know why the cage bird sings. That's an oldie but goodie. Haven't read it in years. Uh, I used to collect books and I feel uh, African American writers, so I have quite a few. Um, another, oh, there is a book called uh, Boundaries about protecting yourself in in relationships. That's mm. the most life changing book I've ever read. And I recommend that to many people that have um, issues with um, maintaining boundaries in their relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, another all-time favorite for me is the Bible, um, the Word of God. You know, I study the Bible, and you know, principles in in the Bible help have helped me mold my life. Um, so that's another one. Did I give you three? Yeah, those were three. Those are three. Okay. And it's interesting mm-hmm. you say principles, and we can we can kind of comment on this and then leave off on this because I also find th- the lack of boundaries hurts people with money, right? Because there's some people who, like, legit don't spend a lot of money. They just give their family a lot of money, um, specifically mm-hmm. and, and, and African-American. Well, it, it's really a bunch, you know, non-European communities are more community yeah. like us, Indians, you know, Asians, mm-hmm. you know, we're very communal, you know, just culturally. And so it's hard to, to say no. How, how have you been able to like, um, still be a good family member, but not, you know, give folks all your money. Uh, creating those boundaries and, um, not feeling guilty. You know, I found, I had an experience early out of college one of my family members called me selfish and I called, well, they told somebody I was selfish. So I called them and I said, you know, who, and I didn't even have children at that time. Who am I not taking care of that I should be responsible for? You know, I'm helping my grandmother, you know, um, I'm taking care of myself, which is a burden off my parents. So who else should I be helping? Cause I, I told them I'm not understanding how am I being selfish? Um, and so from that experience, I realized that some people just think you just ought to give and give. But what I realized is they weren't being financially responsible. And again, I look at my dollars and it's an investment. You know, I've helped some of my family members or loan them money. I never loan what I can't give because if it doesn't come back, I don't want to have any, you know, bitter feelings. So when I do loan, I always say you could either pay me back or this is the, this is it. I won't loan it to you again if you don't pay me back. Um, so just creating those boundaries. You know, and can I say something about the communal? You know, we we can be a communal to an extent because I've try to have family with investing like in real estate and things like that and as a people it sometimes it's very difficult to come together i don't know if it's a lack of trust or what goes on but in some other cultures you see that where they help each other grow whereas i feel like in our i my one of my goals is to 
those that I'm connected with to say, hey, let's make it different for the next generation so they don't have to start over like we had to start over. You know, let's build something to give them a step to step on um, in life. Yeah, yeah, no, de definitely, definitely. I think, yeah, I think, um, you, I think we're at the beginning stages of that, right? Because I, I do, I do, uh -huh. I, I, see, I see it more in first generation Americans, you know, uh -huh. uh, that come here in a group together and they kind of help each other. But I think the advantage, uh -huh. of that is, the advantage is there's always like people who think like, who think like us, and uh -huh. and then 80% who don't, right? And I just think of the right. who don't probably don't make it to America. You know what I mean? And so, so if mm -hmm. you don't think like that, it becomes easier. But I think, I think a lot of us are starting to, you know, circ, you know, circle together and think the same way. And I find a lot more in our community are helping, you know, you, the 80% is going to be the 80% and that just, right. is, you know, and you can't, all we can do is do what we can to make their lives better in the big picture by doing what we can do right um but i'm um i'm optimistic on that because i i get to interact with a lot of folks uh, in our community that are you know talking more sharing more helping each other more yeah um, it's i think that's why so many of these white nationalists are scared they're like oh wait a minute I, it, that's one of the reasons i you know don't mind sharing and i don't even mind talking numbers if you want to talk numbers because i i, I want to help um, you know, my sisters and brothers, and it's doable. You don't have to make a lot of money to be financially secure. You don't have to make a lot of money to save a few thousand dollars in the bank. But what you have to do is change your mindset, change your spending habits, and be willing to put the work in to meet that goal. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, um, and you and, and you and you are doing it and i and you feel free to share whatever you want to share but i just feel i feel good about you sharing what you share so when i did my financial plan there it uh calculated that i have a 99 percent chance of retiring at the age of 53. that's more than i mean earlier than i thought i could i've been speaking it because that was my heart's desire but to See the put the data in there, <laughs> put real numbers to it, and it's real. No, that is that is amazing to be retired by fifty three. You're in the definitely in the top ten percent of people in the world uh, that are in a position to do that. So congratulations, that's that's some good work. I want to be like you when I grow up. <laughs> and hey, I'm not gonna stop at fifty three. I'm not retiring, I'm rewiring. Like I said earlier, I'm buying back my time. And so I'm gonna move into full-time full real estate um, and whatever, you know, for me, life is ministry. So if it's full-time real estate, full-time, you know, I'm being a nurse, I do wellness training. Um, and then also I'm really enjoying sharing what I'm learning about personal finance. Not that I'm, you know, you're an expert. I'm not, I'm not going to be an investor or a, a financial manager, but just the basic principles of financial and financial uh, personal finances is what I'm trying to say. 
you, you, you personal finances. Yeah, I mean, and, and you should put more out there because you're like a practitioner. You'd be shocked at how many financial advisors are preaching it and not doing it. You know, like oh. it's a bunch of them. It's a bunch of them out there that make lots of money and are are not preach, not practicing. You know what they preach. So you know, some people feel like, oh, I don't have the license or I'm not. <clears throat> An expert. I'm like most of them aren't experts. Like, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> if only you knew, you know. So, so I definitely think you should do because it it's more powerful coming from you know somebody who's not a quote unquote expert and that's actually doing it because because the blocking and tackling is just paying yourself first, being responsible, controlling all the psychological stuff, and you can get right. to help you with the regular stuff. Um, okay. So, so now, well, thank you for that encouragement. I, I'll. I'm Yo Fit for Life on Instagram, and you'll see more out there now. Awesome. Thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it.